Hello, I'm Pastor Rick, and welcome to our podcast. I hope that the message that you're about to hear will bless and encourage you today. Let's go to God's Word this morning. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I feel that the Holy Spirit would have me continue on talking about miracles. Last week, I talked about miracles. If you did not see last week's message, I'd encourage you to watch it online. If not for my teaching, for the stories that were shared, the testimony of miracles. My title today is Miracles. God is still touching lives today. Before we get into this, I just want to say miracle is a word that is used in all kinds of different contexts and for different things. Sherry and I would use the term miracle in our home when our children were young if one of the three of them decided to clean their room without asking. And we walked into the bedroom and it is all picked up and their clothes aren't on the floor and their bed is made. We would go, it's a miracle. Some people call the New York Mets winning the 1969 World Series a miracle. We have the miracle on ice back in 1980 when the USA beat the Russians in the Olympics in hockey, ice hockey. That's called the miracle on ice. And I'm just going to say this. You can, you can be mad at me if you would like, but it's a miracle. it will be a miracle if the Colts make the playoffs this year. Maybe it would be. Last week's message got Don Wampler so stirred up that after service, he told Sherry, he said, he said, I wanted to stand up in the middle of the service and say, hey, pastor, I got a miracle too. But he didn't, and I'm glad. But then he shared a story with Sherry of how when he was a young college student, God supplied a car for him. He was a Bible study, or a Bible school student in Springfield. God supplied a call, a car for him. Tell your miracle stories. Let other people hear what God is doing and has been doing in your life. And I thank you for sharing that story with Sherry Don. And I called him and asked him about it. He shared it with me. So today we're going to begin with a story. Attention to the screen. Hear a story of a miracle. Second story involves a brilliant young African-American student from the inner city of Detroit, Michigan, who earned a full scholarship to study medicine at Yale University. But he was having trouble. It was the end of his first semester, and he was failing his chemistry class. And chemistry class was a prerequisite if you wanted to be a doctor. You had to pass chemistry. And he was just, he was not doing well in this class. Everything depended on the final exam. That would determine if he passed the class or failed. And he wasn't prepared. And so he prayed. He said, God, medicine is the only thing I ever wanted to do. Would you please tell me what it is that you really want me to do? So he was planning just to study all night, to cram for this exam so he would pass it. But he fell asleep. And it all seemed lost until he had a dream. And in that dream, he was alone in the auditorium when a nebulous figure began to write chemistry problems and answers on the blackboard in chalk. And so the next day, when the student went to take his exam, he was stunned because the first problem on the exam was the exact problem from his dream. And the next one, and the next one, and the next one, and the next one. 
and he ended up acing the exam and he got a good grade in chemistry and he promised God, you will never have to do that for me again. Well, he became an extraordinary physician. By age 33, he became the youngest director of pediatric neurosurgery in the country, doing um, pioneering brain surgery on little children. He served at Johns Hopkins Hospital, and maybe you've heard his name. It's Ben Carson. Later became one of the 10 most admired people in the United States, ran for president, now he's a member of the president's cabinet. So what do you think? Was that a coincidence, or was it a miracle? In other words, a dream about a nebulous figure writing chemistry problems on a blackboard, in and of itself, that is not a miracle. But if those equations and answers turn out to be the very same ones that present themselves the next day on a test independently prepared by someone else, that does seem miraculous, especially when the incident follows a fervent prayer to God for help. Now, high school students, I don't advise you to do that for your next test, but God does do miracles in certain uh, situations. Um, before I get into the actual preaching part of the message, if you want to read more about miracles, these are two very, very good books. Uh, miracles Today has been revised. Uh, this is a 2021 version. Uh, I have uh, been reading that, and of course, that was Lee Strobel who was speaking. He, he wrote a book back at around 2017, 2018 called uh, The Case for Miracles, A Journalist Investigates Evidence for the Supernatural. So just wanted to um, give those items to you. Now, let's get going. Child of God, I want to let you know Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus cares about you. He cares about the little and about the large. In your notes, here we go. Number one, Jesus is still performing miracles today. He loves you. He cares about you. He knows what you're going through, and he will respond to your prayers. Jesus is still performing miracles today. There are some that teach that the age of miracles is past. It ended when the last apostle died. Uh, the terms used for this is cessationism or dispensationalism. Either one says that the age of miracles stopped when the Bible was completed and at about the time the last apostle died. Now, that's not what I and millions of others have experienced. Jesus still performs miracles today. A Barna survey recently revealed that 38% of Americans, 38% of Americans, or about 100 million people, said that they have experienced some sort of divine miracle. 100 million people in the United States state that they have experienced some type of divine intervention, some type of divine miracle. That's over a third of our population. Now, let me throw this out to you. What if under rigorous investigation, these, ac these accounts, they discounted 98% of them. Only 2% they would verify but 98% of them, 
they call it a coincidence, wishful thinking, a natural cause, or some other reasonable explanation. Even if you discount 98% of the 100 million people that say they have had a divine encounter with God, you still have 2 million miracles here in the United States. The age of miracles is not gone. But I'll tell you what I believe. I believe it's a whole lot more than that. Sent you an email this week just sharing a miracle story of my own. Hopefully you got to read it. Some people would say, being at the right place, right time, coincidence, there at Walt Disney World. That's all I'm going to tell you about it. I'm not going to repeat it. You have to read the email. But don't forget, the Bible reminds us, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is still performing miracles for his people today. Number two in your notes, Jesus is concerned about what you're concerned about. Jesus is concerned about what you're concerned about. What is it that's been bothering you? What are you worrying about? He is concerned. The large and the small, our God is concerned about what we're concerned about. Number three, Jesus loves to be asked. Sometimes we think we're bothering him, but no. The Bible says that Jesus loves to be asked and included in your life. From uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21, verses 21 and 22, Scripture's on the screen. Then Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. Then he goes on. He says, you can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. Jesus loves to be asked and included in your life. Now, there's lots of definitions for miracles. There are some that are quite um, uh, academic, lots of clauses and things, but I came up with one. No, I didn't come up with it. I found one that I really like. It's very simple. Here it is, point four in your notes. A miracle is a wonder or marvel that defies rational explanation. A miracle is a wonder or marvel that defies rational explanation. Student goes to sleep, concerned about a chemistry test, has a dream, chemistry problems. I can see a dream like that. A lot of times if I'm worrying about something, I dream about it. But when that dream and the answers were the tests that kept him from failing chemistry, I think that defies rational explanation. Lee Strobel later on gives an explanation for how we can discern a miracle. When you're hearing someone tell a story about a miracle, could the story be best explained by saying this is coincidence or could it be a miracle? Now think about that. Could the story be best explained by saying this is coincidence or could it be a miracle? Well, we're going to listen to another story via video. A friend of mine recorded this for me several years ago. I want you, after you've heard this story, to say coincidence or miracle. Watch the screens. We were missionaries at Oklahoma State University, and it was during a midterm session. I didn't expect a lot of students that night, but about 70 or 80 showed up. So our worship leader had the order of service, and it was just going to be kind of her leading worship, and then I was going to do some announcements and speak. So at the end of the worship service, 
uh, Lori, our worship leader, is about ready to hand me back the mic, and then she takes it back, and I'm thinking, what are you doing? Well, all of a sudden, she starts singing in tongues, and I'm thinking, this doesn't fit in the order of service, Lori. What are you doing? We have a lot of guests here, a lot of students for the first time. So I didn't think it fit in the order of service. So as she kept singing in tongues, I was sitting in the front row and turned around, and it was ironic. All the students had already sat back down, but one by one, they started rising up and singing in tongues with her. So at one point, several minutes into this, I turn around, and every one in the room, without exception, new students, students that were familiar with what we were doing, some guests that I had invited, were all hands raised. I couldn't hear all of them, but for the most part, I would say the entire room was singing in tongues. There were students that night, it was just like God had entered the room. God's in the house. Students received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues for the first time. It was just a God moment. Well, I didn't realize what I thought was a great moment, God was using for some other moments. So in the hallway, my son was about 18 months old, a little restless. My wife was walking my son just to settle him down out in the hallway because we were meeting in a student union. We just had one of the rooms. So walking by... A Middle Eastern student stops in his tracks, looks at my wife and says, what are they doing in there? She said, well, they're, they're Christian students and they're, uh, they're, worshiping, they're worshiping Jesus. And he stops and he says, Jesus has a plan for my life. The cross is something very significant. Jesus is a true prophet. Lifts his eyes in the air like he's getting understanding, comes back and starts just saying random sentences. And my wife looks at him and says, are you okay? He says, no, no, I'm just saying what they're singing. Amazing. So, and I can tell you this much. Arabic is not the second language of Oklahomans. So all these Oklahoma State University students who I thought I was in control of a worship service, the the worship leader had a better idea of what God wanted to do than I did. So God cares enough about a passing student from the Middle East that a bunch of students in Oklahoma in unison sing in Arabic to him the message of the gospel. This young man walking by hears the gospel and that Jesus is significant and a true prophet for the very first time in his life. It's amazing what happens when we let the Spirit of God flow and we don't limit God. This student heard the gospel. Coincidence or miracle? Oklahoma State University students, 80 of them in a room, singing in the Spirit, singing in tongues, singing in Arabic. Remember, the Bible says that when a man speaks in a tongue, it could be the tongue, tongues of men or the tongues of angels, singing in Arabic so that a Middle Eastern student would hear the gospel for the very first time. Coincidence or a miracle? I claim 
miracle. Now, for these messages, I'm using the word miracle in the broadest sense of the world, I call, of the word. I call touches from God a miracle, physical healings a miracle, needs supplied in ordinary, extraordinary ways as a miracle, Spe- special direction from God, etc., all its miracles. I don't want to go into the specific gifts of the Spirit that may be functioning, so we're just using it in a general term. Now, with that explanation, Pastor Evan here has a... Um, uh, a story that he would like to tell. I want you to, again, look for the definition, coincidence or miracle. Pastor Evan. Yes, okay. So, Pastor Rick asked me to, uh, asked me what kind of miracles have happened in my life, and most of the stories I told were stories from camp, and he's like, do all good, cool things happen at camp? And I was like, yeah, they do. Um, <laughs> And so this was a, a, a time, and it was one of the first days at camp, and we were just going into worship, and the songs are usually really dynamic, and people are getting into it, and I was almost like a wall. And I was just like, what is happening? Like, I can't get into this. I, I'm usually just right here in the presence of God, but I just could not get through, and I just felt like I was stressed, and I didn't have peace, and I just, just prayed a simple prayer to God, and I said, God, have you given up on me? And I was just sitting there in that moment, and then I felt like the Holy Spirit came over me. It was like, I will never give up on you. I will never leave you. You belong to me. You are my son. I will never leave you. And I was like, this is so cool. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And I just raised my hands, and I was just like, this is awesome. And a gentleman uh, who I knew from past years, he was another youth pastor, came up and put his hand on my shoulder and said, hey, Um, I've been watching you the past couple days, and I felt like God needed me to speak to you. And so I'm talking to him. I'm telling him everything. I'm bawling my eyes out just telling him everything, just spewing. And he said, well, I wrote this for one of my students. Um, God actually gave this to me yesterday. And he said, I felt like it was for my student, but I actually, it turns out it was for you. And I got it right here. I'm shaking because it's so cool. And it says this, God says, I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never give up on you. You are my child. You belong to me. And easy enough, God could have just given the Holy Spirit, but he knew that there was going to be a moment that I would doubt that the Holy Spirit spoke to me, so he needed to give me another confirmation. There you go. Amen. Thank you. So again, an inner voice of comfort coming at the altars of camp to Evan. That in itself was encouraging to you. You said you're bawling your eyes out and all that kind of stuff, so it, it touched you. But to have someone who the day before wrote down several phrases on a piece of paper that were the exact phrases that came into his mind and heart, coincidence or miracle, Well, as far as I'm concerned, miracle. God is doing miracles. Jesus is still doing miracles today. I invite you to take your Bibles because I want to talk about a miracle that we find in the book of Acts, a a spectacular miracle. Uh, There's so many levels that I could teach on this, but I'm going to do my best to keep things short. Um, This is a man who who needed a miracle for decades. He needed this miracle for decades. But God did not yet answer this man's prayers 
until one day when it not only helped the man, but it helped to advance the kingdom. One of the things I want to emphasize today is sometimes what you're waiting for, God hasn't said no to. He's just saying not now because he has some other reasons for it. And here is a man, here is a man who got a huge miracle one afternoon around 3 p.m. And while he benefited from the miracle, one of the primary purposes of this miracle was that those who did not believe yet in Jesus the power of God would give them the opportunity to believe. Before I read the text, let me, let me share with you this quote uh, from the book Miracles Today. Biola University's J.P. Moreland points out that up to 70% of the rapid evangelical growth in the past few decades, this is around the world, has been due to signs, the sorts of divine acts that gets people's attention for the message about Christ. Now, many of these signs are outside of the United States. They're on the mission field. They're on the cutting edge of evangelism. But 70% of the rapid evangelical growth is because of signs. One source from the state-authorized church in China suggests that half of all Christian conversions over the period of the last two decades in the latter part of the 20th century, were due to faith-healing experiences. Faith-healing experiences. People seeing people healed. And as I'm reading uh, Craig's book, uh, Craig Keener's book, miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, and one of the things that Keener did in his book, if, if this could not be verified by multiple witnesses, if it doesn't have um, medical support, these miracles did are the only ones that made the book. There are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of other miracles, but he wanted those who might be skeptical of us who claim to have healing miracles, so he chose the ones that had the medical documentation, um, and he's got all kinds of references and footnotes as to where this came from. But throughout the world today, there are miracles happening, and there are people coming to Christ so, in Acts chapter 3, I'm going to start where, for a few verses in chapter 2, um, and this is going to give us some context. First of all, let me, let me let you know when this happened. Jesus has died and rose from the dead. He's ascended into heaven. The day of Pentecost has come when the 120 uh, received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Peter preaches, 3,000 people are brought to the faith. My belief is those 3,000 also received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They were speaking in other tongues. And the church began to grow. And then Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, has this little interlude here about what was taking place on a daily basis. And starting in um, verse 42, I'm just going to read this. You can just uh, listen, and then I'll get to our text in, in chapter uh, three, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them, came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, verse 46 is very important. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So each day, they were in the temple. Chapter 3, verse 1. 
on the screen. Follow along in your devices if you would like. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. Now remember what I said about chapter 2, verse 46. It says that they worshiped together in the temple each day. So Peter and John went to the temple daily. What's happening here is their regular pattern. They go to the temple every day for this 3 o'clock prayer service. Verse 2. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. Now, chapter 4, verse 22, we're not going to read, but the text lets us know that the man being carried was more than 40 years old. So this is a 40-year-old man, lame from birth. This man had never walked. He's lame from birth. Probably from his late childhood, he was brought places to beg. They brought him to the temple. A good place to beg because people were there to worship. Very often people would give to those in need. So he's being brought to the temple every day, it says. This man lame from birth. Each day he was uh, put beside the temple gate, the one called Beautiful. Picking up in verse 3. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said... I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and hearing him praising God. And when they realized that he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. This is an incredibly powerful miracle. A man lame from birth for over 40 years has never had strength in his leg muscles, has never had strength in his ankles. He has never balanced before. Our youngest grandchild, Ziva, yes, a grandchild story. I haven't shared one in a long time. Our youngest grandchild, Ziva, is, uh, has learned to walk. She's still not quite steady on her feet. She's still learning her balance. If you have a little one or had one, you understand what it's like. They're learning how to walk, and it takes a while. They're going to fall. This man didn't learn how to walk. He was given the ability to walk. In an instant, he got up, and it didn't say he just was walking. He was walking and leaping. Ziva doesn't leap yet. That's a whole other set of muscles and balance. And praising God, this is an incredibly Powerful miracle, he walks instantly. Now remember that I said that one of the primary reasons that God gives miracles is to show unbelievers the power of God. Did you hear what it said? All of a sudden, people are attracted to the noise. They're beginning to praise God. They had seen this man, this man possibly for years and years there, lying at the beautiful gate, begging, and now he's on his feet. He is leaping. He is praising God. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 4 said this. Um, a little more context. After this happened, the chief priests had come, and uh, Peter, 
He actually preached to the crowd that was gathering. I believe that um, people were getting saved right and left, and then later on they were getting saved as the story came about. But Peter preaches this sermon, and then the temple authorities come, the chief priests. And it's interesting, you would think they'd be excited. A miracle happened that they could verify, because I'm sure they walked by this man. Listen to what chapter 4 says, verses 1 through 4. When Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them. And since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But look what verse 4 says. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So that the number of men who believed now totaled over 5,000. The result of this miracle was a huge number of people were converted right there. Seeing the miracle, hearing Peter preach and tell them how this miracle took place. Because Peter said it wasn't by our power. It was by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I believe that the story went out. And many other thousands came to the Lord over the next days or weeks. This is one of the reasons I believe that God waited to heal this man. Because if he had been laying at the beautiful gate every day, Peter and John walked by him every day. Unless they took a different entrance. As a matter of fact, he had been there for 40 years. I think it is entirely possible. You know, Jesus went to the temple quite often. That Jesus walked by him. Well, Jesus, why didn't you heal him? Jesus could have healed him, and it would have brought a great deal of excitement to all who saw. But since Jesus had not yet died for the sins of mankind, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, the result of that miracle would have been far less. Oh, it would have been exciting. But this day, because Peter and John were the ones that God used to heal the man, and Peter and John preached the gospel five times, Thousand is now the number of men in the church. Two ways of looking at it, either 2,000 more than the day of Pentecost, and some say it's 5,000 additional men came to the church. Either way, thousands of people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ because of the miracle of this man rising. And I wanted to just say something to some of you today. God's timing is always for his purposes. Always for his purposes. Point five in your notes. When you ask Jesus in faith, you can be confident that he will respond with the right answer at the right time. I believe this is a timing miracle. If Peter and John walked by him before, yet the Holy Spirit never said, let's heal that man. Because God had something else that he wanted. Who knows which people in the temple that day. So if you are waiting for God on something that you believe that he has spoken to you about, that he's going to give, and it has not yet happened. Can you trust that at the right time, the right answer will come? Sometimes that answer is yes, sometimes no. Sometimes he says not now, and these are the ones I dislike. Sometimes he says nothing, but the answer comes later. Jesus loves us enough not to give us things that are not best for us, or that are not best for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Statement coming up on the screen. When you give your life to Jesus, he is your king, 
He is your boss, and you serve him for the advancement of the kingdom. So sometimes the answer is no or not now, but you can always trust him to answer in the very best way. The reason for all the stories that I've been telling and the stories that you've seen on video is that your level of hope and faith would rise. See, you won't ask if you don't believe that Jesus hears and will answer. You won't ask if you don't believe that Jesus wants to hear and answer your prayers. And you won't hold on if you don't trust that your answer will come at the right time. I just want to stop here just for a second. You won't hold on. People of God, hold on. Trust God. Trust Him. Trust Him with that relationship. Trust Him with your physical health. Trust Him with your finances. Be in obedience, but trust Him, knowing that as a good, good Father, we sang about it. He is a good, good Father. He will bring what is best for you at the best time. I'm telling you these stories, and I'm having other people share their stories to help you believe that your loving Savior can do miracles for you. Ray Lynn, would you come? One last story today. Ray Lynn Cook is Jesse Cook's wife, and she has a story to share. She received a powerful, miraculous touch from Jesus. Let's hear what he did for her. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in a small town in central Illinois, and I had a great family. Um, I was raised in the church. I was raised in some ways of God. Um, and so pretty traditional upbringing, nothing too crazy. Um, but when I was in school, I had a really hard time with my peers. And I was bullied a lot. And from that experience, I became very mad at God. Um, I turned my back on him. And I started to experiment with drugs and alcohol when I was in junior high. Um, and when I started doing that, I thought, you know, this isn't a big deal. Like, I'm, this is just a thing I'm doing. Um, but it quickly spiraled for me, and by the time I was 16, I was struggling with an addiction to alcohol and cocaine that was completely destroying my life. Um, I was depressed. I was suicidal. I had no hope. Um, and I would go out every night and drink a lot of alcohol and do every drug on the table, hoping that I wouldn't wake up from this horrible situation that I have created for myself. Um, I'm so grateful, though, that my parents, they always made me be in church on a Sunday morning. They never let me not be there. Um, it allowed God to do work in my life, I think, and soften my heart towards him over time. And even though I tried to run from the Lord, he was always pursuing me um, and knocking at my door, um, even though I had thought I had done too much to ever come to him. Um, but I had got to a point in my life where it was like, either I'm going to serve Jesus and do what he's called me to do and be who he's created me to be, or I'm going to die a 16-year-old kid um, messed up. And so I went with my mom to church on a Sunday night, and I responded, raised my hand to receive Jesus, and I went forward to an altar, um, and I stood there, and no one laid a hand on me to pray for me, and no one led me through a sinner's prayer, but I just said, Jesus, there's anything left that's worth anything. I need you to do something because I'm out of options. And in that moment, Jesus transformed my life. And every bit of a addiction that I had, every bit of bitterness and anger, God took it. 
in a second. And I, even when I turned around and walked back to my seat, everything looked completely different. I went to school the next day and people looked at me. I still had the same hair and the same clothes, but they looked in my face and said, Raylan, what's happened to you? Because Jesus had transformed my life. Um, and I never looked back. I've never been the same ever since. Um, served Jesus with my whole heart. Ever since, I've never had a desire um, for any type of drugs or alcohol. So, yeah. You stay there a second. Yes. Now, I just... I just want to I just want to verify a couple of things from your story, okay? Sure. So that day that that Sunday night service, Correct. you decided Jesus you're coming and receiving him. Yes. Okay. At that point you were consuming a lot of alcohol, right? Yes. Would you have considered yourself an alcoholic? Yes. You so you're addicted to alcohol. Yes. Addicted to cocaine. Yes. Okay. So then which 12-step program did you go through after the you were at the altar? Okay, you're telling me, and you're telling this whole congregation and all those people that right through that camera there are watching you, that when you came to the altar that day, you became... I was a drug addict, for sure. You were a drug addict. Yes. And then you were not a drug addict. Correct. You didn't go through withdrawal. No. You didn't go through any of those things that many people who get off drugs go through, even through Christian programs. But for you, Jesus miraculously delivered you. Is that correct? Yes. Let's yes. give it up for Jesus this morning. Thank you. And once again, that's not everybody's stories. Some people go through various programs. But Jesus is still doing miracles. Now, I wasn't going to have you lift your hands, but I'm going to have you lift your hands. How many of you have been praying for a miracle of some type? How many of you? Lift your hands. Come on. How many of you have been praying for a miracle? How many of you should be praying for a miracle, but you're not? I want you to get ready for God to possibly even touch you today. I am going to open the front here in just a few moments to any person who is praying for a miracle that you can have someone else pray with you. Jesus loves you. He cares about you. He cares about that area of your life where you need a miracle. He desires to be invited into all areas of concern. So I am going to invite you to come forward and receive prayer for a miracle. Team, would you come to the platform? If it's a healing, come and receive the anointing of oil and let's pray for a miracle. If it's about a prodigal that you've been praying for and you want somebody to join you, come forward and have somebody pray with you about your prodigal. If it's deliverance from substances, Ray Lynn has shared the story that God is a miracle-working God. Could it be that today would be your day to be delivered? Come forward. And receive prayer. Let's see what our God is going to do. Maybe you're under great oppression. I don't know what kind it might be. There's lots of oppressions. Maybe today would be the day that you would be delivered. Financial needs? Could this be your day? I want you right now, stand up. If you can put some music behind. I want you to stand up, everybody. And if you raised your hand and you want somebody to pray with you for a miracle, right now, right across the front. Come on, out of your seats. Who's going to be first? Who's going to be down here, ready to say, I need prayer for a miracle? Come on. Just begin to line up right across the front. Right across the front. Leave room in front so that people can come in front of you and pray. Who else needs a miracle? You've been praying for a miracle. This morning, who's to say that Jesus won't be coming and moving upon? Who are you? Come on down. Find 
your place. Prayer team members, would you now come and begin to pray as we begin to worship? Anybody else? You want to come forward, face this way. Prayer team members, get in front of the people and begin to pray for those who are here. So thank you. 
I hope you've had a good Lord's Day. We're going to continue to worship here in the building. We're going to continue to pray. But those of you who are watching our stream, God bless you today. Pastor Evan will give you additional direction. Thanks for joining us for this message from Columbus First Assembly. If this message has blessed you in any way, would you share it on your social media feeds so that others can be blessed also? If you would like to join us for an in-person service and you're close to us, we are in Columbus, Indiana, then uh, our services start at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings and our church is located on the corner of 10th and Iowa. Once again, thanks for joining us. Look forward to having you join us again soon.